Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of River Bassin Rivals. Uh, I'm your host, Ken Morris, and we are just going to talk um, to one of uh, a river basser that uh, I met years ago, um, local scene in Ohio here. And uh, he has a lot of uh, moving water knowledge. He's a predominant figure in the local kayak fishing scene, um, which we'll get to shortly. And uh, just a really, really good guy, and I always enjoy talking to him. So just kind of bring you into my rival circle once again and uh, get some stories started. So joining us tonight for a conversation about some river bassing is Dustin Hoy. What's up, Dustin? How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, but how you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just, you know, busy as normal. Um, I actually just got back from South Carolina last night. Um, I was down participating in the Hobie Bass Open Series with that. Uh, didn't do too well. Didn't really lend into my river experience very much. And the weather was weird, but enough about that. So I heard um, everybody had a hard bite. Yeah, it was a little bit of a tough bite for everybody, I think. Um, I don't think it was easy for the people who won. Um, I mean, I guess, I don't know, catching fish is always easy, uh, I guess, when you're on them. But, um, yeah, if you look at the numbers and you look at the field of 200 people versus the, the complete numbers that came out, wasn't that good that lake got really screwed up by that weather that cold front really shut stuff down but um welcome to the podcast man it's river bass and rivals uh basically this will be the fourth episode i believe and basic concept is just kind of pulling people into my uh experience of making friends and uh competing against them at the same time in in the you know on the rivers and river fishing specifically so um, if you don't know Dustin Hoy, he is one of the owners of Rackton Creek Outfitters in uh, Albany, Ohio. Um, excellent shop, a uh, lot of river experience. He worked at other outfitters or other like piling places before that um, and stuff like that. He's a big, that uh, Rackton Creek specifically supports a lot of local kayak fishing in the, in the Ohio area, whether it's Northeast Ohio, completely like three hours away from them, or even obviously their local clubs and areas around them. So he's... You know, he's kind of a big deal around here, and, um, you know, welcome him. And, and if you're in the Ohio area, definitely look up his shop and, and take a look at that. But, uh, Dustin, you've been kind of a, a river rat in the sense of both fishing and just playing in rivers, period, for a very long time. I can't even put a timeline on it. Why don't we start off the conversation with, like, how did you get started with, with kayaking in general or, you know, the, the river scene? I actually got started in 2019. Uh, got my first kayak. And uh, before that, I was. 2019? Hold on. Hold on. Let me interrupt. Two, yeah. Like three years ago? 1999. 19, there we go. <laughs> that sounds there a lot go. more realistic. Okay, let's restart. Let's rewind yeah. that a little bit. Bring it back. 1999. Yeah, I'm just trying not to date myself as old as I am. Right <laughs> yeah, I was going to. I had to, though, because I, it made me sound like an idiot when I was like, oh, he's known us for a long time. Yeah, I started three years ago. It's great. Yeah, I just got started. <laughs> no, I just got started. No, the year um, But no, 2099, right. I guess, I got my first Thanks. kayak. Um, and before that, I was along with everybody else, wade fishing to bank fishing, and trying to find those little holes on the creeks and rivers that nobody else was getting to. Um, basically, came across um, some recreational kayaks and decided, hey, we can fish out of these things. And back in the day, we used to actually screw some Scotty mounts and rod holders or whatever else we could, threw some bungees on it. Um, and just went with it just, and just straight like it, backyard engineering you were just like literally like drilling into kayaks before anybody ever thought about drilling into kayaks yeah we pretty much had to i mean we were trying to get to these places and that was that was kind of our thing was just like hey this is screw some holes in this thing and 
So Let's see what happens. <laughs> what what model of kayak were you doing this to in in like 1999 or early 2000s? Like, what were you using to even do this? My first um, kayak, well, I had I got two. I, I started off with one. I bought over in near Dayton, Ohio, at a, a shop over there. Ended up it was a little bit more white water boat mm-hmm. than wreck boat. Um, was not a great idea. Ended up swimming the first about 45 feet off the bank. <laughs> and lost a bunch of gear to the bottom because it was like I had it all. Anything I could put on it, I put on it because I thought it would look neat. Yeah. And yeah, it went all to the bottom. Yeah, I mean, like, live and learn. That's a little bit of a rough uh, experience, I guess. To it start was off definitely your very first takeoff, but it was not planned. Um, <laughs> after that, I got into a old town otter. No, it, was, it was an old town loon um, back in the day, which was. A little bit more wreck boat, um, kind of a nice flat bottom. Um, it's twelve foot long, and it actually turned out to be a pretty nice boat for what we used. Um, they actually took that model and turned it into the Old Town Predator uh, a couple of years afterwards. Okay, I think they came out with the Predator. I'm gonna say roughly 2002, 2003. And everything they basically did different was from where the wreck model was. They added a couple of rod holders and stuff like that. That's pretty much what we is already doing. So um, sit-in style kayak and just kind of went from there. Um, had a little bit of a whitewater background before that. Um, I played down in West Virginia a lot, Pennsylvania, even over into Kentucky a little bit on some of the waters. I'm over that direction. So just to rewind it back again. Um, so when did you start fishing out of moving water? Like in general, did you always like wade fish like creeks? Is that something you did growing up or how did you get into fishing creeks at that point? Um, or I, rivers or whatever? I basically grew up kind of on it. Um, we lived pretty close to what they call salt Creek um, near me. Um, over towards like Laurelville, um, Hawking Hills area. And we had a nice old loop of about two miles long that we could basically put in, walk the creek. And then we had about a half mile walk back up the road to our vehicle. Oh, dude, that's crazy to me. Like, that's absolutely, like, because a lot of people probably don't know this, but, like, I grew up in the Hawking County in the Hawking Hills of Ohio, like Salt Creek. Like, you mentioned the town of Moorville. That's where I went to elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Salt Creek. I know where that's at. I could find you it. You probably that. know exactly the little loop I'm talking about too. I mean, I could probably find it, but that's what I'm trying to get at is like, I did not grow up bass fishing, especially in the creeks and moving waters. Like yep. those are just things that flooded when it rained and we had to go over bridges over them to get to, to wherever you were driving to or whatever. Like I was not, I, I was completely blind to this sort of world that there would even be like, you know, life and fishing these in these things. Like I had a pond in my backyard that I fished out of when I was a kid, but like it's wild to me that you would that people were like, you know, I just never it just wasn't part of my life at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's like literally my backyard that like you were experiencing and doing this stuff at some point that I mean I probably drove by when you were doing it at some point. Like when I was a kid. You, you were probably because I mean you were probably out fishing and then I was headed to school and you're like, hey, yep. what's that what's that dude doing out there? We don't know, whatever. Like you know what I mean? Like it yep. probably happened. So that's just wild to me. And that's just an interesting, you know, concept and like kind of perception that uh you started out doing it. You've been doing it for a long time and like you very early in the game, I'd have to assume that you started utilizing these these plastic boats, these kayaks to try to access more of these, this moving water because it's like the perfect tool for it. That's what they were there for. It's just like, why not combine the two things that I like to do? So it's pretty like ingenious that like, and just like so forward thinking like, did you, at that time, did you ever think that more people would be getting into it? Or was it just like a little secret thing that you did that was like, Hey, this is. Yeah. My brother and I got into it. And it was one of them that um, we both kind of bought kind of really similar style boat. And basically in that, you said it, that was it. Just trying to find access to get into these spots that we couldn't like, get to. Cause you just like, you would walk to a bend. You know, I'm assuming there was a point where you couldn't wade anymore. Yeah. So yeah, 
And there's times that we actually had basically like a little fanny pack type thing. We hooked around our waist, took a rod or two, and started walking. And some of the places we were actually swimming, you know, you land up on the wrong side of the bank and have to basically kind of swim across (laughs) to the other side to to get it. Or you could walk a little further. Yeah, because basically you just get to a point where you physically couldn't go further safely because yep. you, swimming wasn't a great option because I'm assuming there was some current at some point. There's usually some current. The, the holes are getting deeper and vegetation and trees on the side not letting you get to the bank. There, obviously, there's tons of like you know reasons not to continue waiting or it wouldn't be safe. Yep. And like you see that, you're like, I bet there's a bass right in that <laughs> section. There's always fish in the section you can't get to. The grass yep. is always greener. A little bit further downstream, like there's always, always a, there's always a big twenty in the next hole. I'm sure it's kind of like the thought, and you're just like, I know I can get there. I just need to float there. So I mean, that's just that's how it all started, and it's crazy that it started in such like small groups of this ingenuity of just like I wonder what the actual number of people in 1999 that were using kayaks to fish out of. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, thousands of people doing it now. Not but, like, but yeah, it's like was it ten? Was it like maybe 50 because like that 50 seems like a large number but across the whole states like that's compa- especially compared to what we're doing now yeah well, we we had 200 people sign up for a hobie tournament this past weekend that was sold out like it had a limit to it it could have yeah. we've had 400 people sign up for like national championships and stuff and like that's just a small fraction of everybody and that's people traveling to national events in those numbers yeah like, that's mind-blowing full roster of people who fish from kayaks and not all of them fish tournaments. So we don't even have a record of it at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, you could kind of base it off record, like kayak sales, I guess, over the past five years, but like, because they become fishing specialized kayaks at this point. So you could kind of find some data on that, but it's like, if you really think about it, like 50 is, even if it was 50 people in early 2000s or even 1999, like yep. this is not a lot of people. That's a it's very not. small amount of people that's doing something like that. So the fact yeah. that, it, like, in 23 years' time or so, give or take a year or two, the changes it, in the innovation. And obviously, I think it really ramped up maybe 10 years ago, if my history is correct. Um, yep. it, you know, it, it's really started to ramp up, like, 10 years ago with, like, more innovation and more people getting into it to, like, creating the specialized kayaks and, and a little bit more access to, like, easier paddling and make it a little bit safer to fish from and that sort of stuff like all that's just like a a big history lesson but it it took that amount of time for people to like somebody to do it and then do it long enough for somebody else to notice and then be like why aren't we making this easier like sort of like it's just a wild thing to think about and like to be so ahead of the curve on that it's probably really cool like how do you feel about seeing that change over the past you know, 20 years or whatever. It's kind of mind-blowing seeing the, the transition to some boats in general, or kayaks in general. Um, I knew there was a lot of people who used to do it out of the canoes, that kind of stuff, fishing out of canoes. That's kind of what gave us the idea. And more or less, it's kind of looking at that and wanting to fish by yourself. Yeah. You know, it was great having a canoe, but it's even better to access that spot by yourself than, uh, yeah. you know, your partner or whoever else you're fishing with can move on down and fish in other spots and stuff like that. You're not restricted. You don't have like a, somebody who's in charge of the boat. It's like being a co-angler in a, in a bass, but like, you know, the yeah. guy in the back just gotta kind of fish whatever, you know, it's not his boat. He's just yep. doing whatever. Or he's back there steering as the person in front, especially yeah. on small water. They yep. pass from bank to bank and the person in the back's doing all the work and the person in front's fishing. Yep. So, so. Yeah, I mean, it definitely solves a lot of, like, uh, individual problems if you don't have a system worked out with uh, your fishing buddy or whoever you have uh, going with you. Um, so that's that's just an interesting thing. Um, you know, moving – so that's, that's a – you know, and we haven't even touched the part where I think – didn't you work for a, a livery or something like that before I you – did. I actually got into that basically a year or so after I got my first kayak. Um got laid off at work one time and my buddy owned a canoe liver and outfitter and I ended up running into him on the river and he's just like, you want a job? And I was like, yeah, I'll come to work for you for a few days and help him out. 
And then it was just like, just kind of fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, the people that come to your outfitters, your liveries, that kind of stuff, to rent boats, they're happy to be there. They're partying. They're, you know, yeah. it's not like working in a convenience store or something like that where people are there to pick up groceries or whatever. They're not happy. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing chores. Like, yeah, they're doing chores. Yeah. They don't want to be there. They don't want to be doing that. Yeah. And the people that was coming in there, they're happy. They're having a great time. They're laughing. They're joking around. And that atmosphere and that enjoyment, I guess, kind of wears off on you. It's just like, yeah. wow, you know, this is, this is actually fun. I mean, yeah. these people are having fun. They're, you're meeting new people. I've met the majority of my friends this day and age um, basically come from the paddling industry. Um, rather, it's people I've fished against, people I've met on the water, um, to, I mean, even like you can, I mean, met at a tournament. Yeah. Eating better is easy with Factors delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's Waypoint Pod 50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And it's kind of went from there. And it's like, and that's the whole point of like this series of podcasts that I, why I came up with it. It's all centralized about my experience and like the people that I've met and like how that's like changed my life over the past, you know, five years or so, like, or more. Um, And it, it's like a microchasm of how it, like what it's done across like the country or even the world at that point is because like, so myself as an individual has been affected. Like we, this is the fourth episode. So we're into four people already that's had a direct influence in my life and my like decisions in the, in the paddling and fishing industry. And like, I, I obviously there's more episodes to come like, and there's more people to come. But if you think about if you start to break it down, like that's been happening to you for, since 1999 that's yeah. been happening to jeremy crow since he started kayak fishing that's been happening to you know every you know everybody that i've talked to and everybody that i'm going to talk to like everybody has it's a spreading effect and it's it, it, it's a you know it, it, it's crazy to think about and that's like kind of the tension like yes this is my personal experience but like this is how it spreads out and, and becomes like a community and, and a thing that we do and like why it's gotten so big. It's, it's that pure, it's like, it's like pure energy and enjoyment of an activity. It is. It's kind of like what you were describing with like, you really enjoy the fact that you're able to provide it. Like basically it's a form of entertainment for some or like a yep. physical activity or just a, an experience is basically it's what you're selling is an experience of an at, outdoor recreational activity that you're providing to you, your customers and, and people like that. Like it, and you're so overwhelmed by it basically is that you decided that's what you wanted to do. It and, is. And 
when basically I worked there for several years, uh, was a manager there for several years. And more or less, um, my family, not my immediate, my wife or kids or them, but outside family and everybody, you know, it was always time telling me, hey, you need to get a real job. You know, that's that seasonal job or that, you know, I was paying bills, but, you know, yeah. you, you don't do it to make it rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it's not a career. A little bit of a labor of love. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. obviously not like working at a livery or being, you know, whatever. It, like, it's not, I guess, like you said, it wouldn't be. You got some background come through. No, sorry. It wouldn't be like, um, like a typical career. You know yeah. what I mean? There's definitely a lifestyle that you'd have to be accepting of to be able to pull it off um, to some degree. Yeah, um, you go. Your mic is like really fuzzy on the web. Really? Sorry about that, guys. It's I just reorganized everything and I moved stuff around. So it may be. Is that better? Nope. I wonder <laughs> if it's your connection then. Um, are you? Yeah. Sorry about this weird stuff. Oh, you tell it, dude. Um, so let's see here. Uh, what was the train of thought? Well, we can just kind of move on. Um, so okay. you worked at delivery and then eventually you, you know, got to a point where you wanted to have your own, right? And I did. And I actually, I left working for him for a few years, um, went and got a real job working construction, um, that kind of stuff. And I mean, most people know construction, it's not fun. The money's pretty good. It's definitely, um, it's work. And I did that for a few years and basically told my wife that um, her and I both, um, wife Bobby, we both basically decided that, hey, you know, let's, let's actually look at this whole canoe delivery thing. Let's look at, you know, what it will take and where we want to do that. Yeah. And... I explored the raccoon creek for several years in a kayak um, and just look at new spots, fishing new areas. And basically I came down, I was like, man, this is where I want to be. I want to be on raccoon creek. And we started for probably a year and a half looking at property. And we came back to this one piece of property that it was, it was ideal. It's like, this is where, we want to be at. It's right on the main highway. It's got, you know, buildings. It's got this, it's got that. And it had a, basically a junkyard there at the time. And we stopped talking to them by even leasing some little piece of property off of them, throw a yard burn up, handful of kayaks to get it started. Yeah. Um, Company wanted nothing to do with it. And we actually went out driving some roads, looking at a couple other pieces of property on the creek. And we was coming back home one evening and they were putting our realtors out there putting a for sale sign up. And it was just like, that's, that's, that's our place right yeah. there. We need to move on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we stopped and basically started talking to them, you know, did a tour of the property, the whole nine yards. And um, a friend of the family was a realtor and we asked him to come down and look at it. Because we wanted somebody to have our kind of back to our interest in it. Yeah. And he did everything in his power to talk us out of buying it. He's <laughs> like, you don't want this. He's like, I'm like, I do. You, you can do this with it. You can do that with it. Yeah. You know, we were walking through brush going, man, right here. This is going to be our takeout right here. I mean, look at this rock face across the creek. I mean, this is. Yeah. And. My wife and I could visually see it. It's just like everything was just kind of laying out. Yeah. It's falling into place in the vision. Yeah, exactly. And he was just like, I don't see it. I see a bunch of trash and a whole lot of work. (laughs) And yeah, and there was. Um, And we bought it um, December, was it December 6th of 2016? And. We opened the following spring and April as a canoe livery. That's wild. And it's like taking the plunge and like just you gotta do what you gotta do to try to enjoy yourself and you know, you wanna 
took a risk and, but you put the work in is, you know, you put the work in, you put the time in and like, you know, it's, it's an awesome place to, to be and to visit. And as like a kayaker, kayak angler, like it's a yep. super fun area to go check out. And there's a lot to do. If you don't want to just do the, the local raccoon Creek, you know, use, utilize your services on that specific yep. Creek. Like, I think you guys provide like camping and stuff there. So you can use it as like a central location. Like, Oh, well, I'll do Raccoon Creek one day, but then I'm going to go visit the Hawking River the other day, or I'm going to go up to Lake Hope or go to the, one of the other Lake Logan or one of the other surrounding bodies of water. Like you can explore those areas, but you like you specifically provide a service for like your area, but then you also have the opportunity to explore too. And oh. you're fully at this point, I know it's been a progression, but, at this point you're a fully stocked outfitters now like you can literally yeah. get anything that you need from your shop to go out and be comfortable in the water whether it's just paddling or if it's full kayaking like so yeah. i mean it, it the evolution i've been watching it i've been you know i guess i've been a part of it but I've been a part of it I've been a part of it but it's just i you know the parts the biggest thing that i have taken from it is the observation of it and watching it grow and it's just like you know, super unique and fun thing that, you know, being a part of it is awesome, but like watching you succeed and watching this, this Raccoon Creek thrive and become more popular and like become a destination for people. Um, and, and it comes from your guys's like service and your attention to detail and your hard work and everything you put into it. So, um, it's just a really, really cool thing to see. And, and I'm glad that it all started and it's just even cooler to me that it all started you know, in 1999, basically in my backyard, and I had no idea that any of it was happening. Yep. You know what I mean? That's just wild to me. That's like, it's amazing it's like that you little, and I grew up so close to each other. Yeah. And didn't know each other. Didn't know each other. <laughs> would never have ever, ever been in each other's lives until, and this yep. is another story that we can get into, until a river bass event in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. So, so that was I, our first one. I think you and Clayton won it. Uh, no, we didn't win. Not in Columbus. Um, that was the first year that I ever fished a river bass tournament. I okay. Because that was held out of Columbus Kayak, correct? Yeah. Yep. With Brett. Yeah. Yep. So okay. everybody's heard bits of the story on this podcast so far, and it's a reiterating theme. And I know that it can it, it can sound like redone or whatever at this point, you know, four episodes in, but it kind of you know, uh, drives home my point of like how this just starts with something and just goes crazy is, you know, you, you've heard the stories of me meeting Jeremy Crow. You've heard the stories of me meeting, uh, you know, uh, Tim Perkins. You've heard the stories of me meeting the other people that I've interviewed so far, but like it, it all started with the river bass and trail. And that's what the whole point of this river bass and rivals is it's like Dustin Hoy is another person that I met because I took a chance and drove down to Columbus, Ohio to fish a river event. And yep. kayak angling, it it's it still is has this awesome atmosphere where if you come in new or you come in consistently or around and just try, people will take care of you. People will give you advice. People will help you, and you start to learn. Uh, you start to learn, and you you know create friendships and obviously rivalries because we're competing in tournaments. Uh, people that you want to beat and you hate getting beat by them. Like whenever I see Dustin yep. put up a big fish, I'm like, yes. And then the other hand, I'm like, dang, yep. no, I need to beat him. <laughs> I need to be better than him because yep. it's going to come back at the campfire and you want to be able to one that, that walks around and with, you know, pride on your sleeve. And it's all in good fun. We're not like, you know, uh, making each other it's mad, but it's like, well, you caught the 21, Mr. Hot Shot, like whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's that sort of stuff. So, um, but it's yeah, amazing that, just that it's that camaraderie of yeah tournament day or during the tournament yeah it's game on everybody's yeah hundred percent afterwards at the ceremony to sitting around the fire having a couple drinks or whatever everybody's congratulating each other and that kind of stuff and it's just kind of it's fun and yeah. like you said just getting into it um my very first tournament was a river bassin tournament. Um, it was over in what Millersburg, Ohio, okay. um, kind of over towards the south of Dayton, okay. um, Cincinnati area. Yeah, I think this was before I was into it. So I think it was a year before Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And 
I showed up, had no clue. I literally, I seen a flyer and an ad or something for it. And it's just like, I want to go do that. That sounds fun. Yeah. You know, fishing rivers. I mean, who wouldn't want to do this? And I showed up, had nothing, didn't have a catch board, didn't have a hog trough, had literally no clue of how I was supposed to do this. But I knew there was a captain's meeting, so I was going to show up and wing it. And I showed up, and I was there a little bit early and started talking to a couple people. And um, captain's meeting, I was asking questions, and then, how do you take this picture? Yeah. You know, how do you submit this picture? How do you do this? How do you do that? What board do you use to measure this thing with? And ended up, I think it was Drew. Um, went out, got board. I was trucking, brought it in, handed it to me, and let me use his board for the day or for the tournament. Yeah. And people there was, you know, show me, you know, how to place my hand to all aspects of it. I was just like, wow, I'm competing against these guys in 12 hours from now or whatever time it was, like the next morning. And here's these guys all basically show me how to do this. Tell me, you know, how to submit the pictures, the whole nine yards. It wasn't, yeah. uh, best of luck to you and leave. It was, and that sold me. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, that right there kind of sold me on the whole river bass. And I fished the river bass and trail for several years. Mm-hmm. And loved every minute of it. So. Yeah, and that you know we, we talk about a lot, and like there, with every good thing, there's a bad thing. Like there's art, there is some drama, just like any other thing. Yeah, you, know, you can find drama anywhere. Yeah. Um, but there are some drama. But like that is the one of the more attractive things about kayak fishing is like you hear stories of, of stuff like this all the time. Like oh, I forgot my my catch board or my hog trough broke or I lost my catch board or I forgot to throw it in the truck. And somebody's like, Oh, I got an extra one. Just take it. We'll meet up at the award show. Like not a second thought about, they don't even know who that person is. Sometimes they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up later. Just, yep. you know, come to the award show and, and get it back to me. Or if you lose it, you owe me the cost of the board. You know what I mean? Like, but yep. no second thoughts. There's no like, con- like, it's just like, you know, you know, you don't, you don't cross somebody when you do that because then you're going to get a name for yourself. Like if you yep. borrow something, you take care of your Make business, you give back. it back to them or you pay for them if you lose it or break it or something like that. But like yep. you will be taken care of if you are a good person and you present yourself, you know, well in this community, just like, you know, just be a normal good person. You will get taken care of. There are many stories of people losing like sinking their kayaks or flipping their kayaks and losing all their gear or forgetting something or having stuff stolen or whatever things happen life happens and it puts them in a spot where they're like down and out and they're like well i might as well just like not compete and somebody's like just use my stuff i have extra yeah here here's a rod here's a paddle here's a pft (laughs) here's a kayak somebody always has an extra kayak somewhere Somewhere. Or, you know, somewhere somebody has an extra kayak, usually like 80% it, it of the time. It may not be a nice one, but, it's, yeah, it's a, but it, it gets you on the water. It'll get you on the water. So like, yeah, that, that's just an yeah. amazing thing that, that happens. And you hear stories about it all the time. If you listen close enough, stuff like that happens all the time. It is. And, and, and I think Drew did a very, it's not the technically the first, but he's obviously one of the innovators of the sport. And yeah. he did a very good, good job of setting the precedent of that. Because that he was did. That, that happened when I joined and, and it was a year later when I started showing up for Bass and it was like, yeah, man, just take the pictures like this or if you need equipment, here's this. Like, you know, yep. like everybody always had a whole trough to either buy or borrow. You know what I mean? Like, it, yep. it was, we want you to participate. We're not, it's not a money grab. It's not, you know, like that sort of stuff. It's like, it was like, we want this to people to enjoy this. And, yep. you know, and grow. And grow. It, it, it's not that anybody's a freeloader, but it's also like you didn't know. You know what I mean? Like now you know, and you take care of your business, and the next time you show up, you're ready to go. But yep. and I'm one of those guys that have. I always have an extra catch board or a hog trough, or yeah. you know, when hog troughs are available. But now you know, I keep an extra hog catch board in my truck, yep. just yeah. for those guys that are getting into it, or like you said, somebody forgets one. Yeah, you know, how easy to get to the landing, or even the night before, and they're digging through the truck going. Yeah, identifiers, printed out stuff like you know, it, everybody's trying to just take care of everybody, and that's something that, that that's pretty wild about that. 
Um, and another story I have to go with that. Um, back to opening our canoe livery. Um, that April, we were a little bit behind where I wanted to be at to open. Mm-hmm. And I threw it out on Facebook and said, hey. Um, and at the time, my wife and I didn't have a whole lot of money to be paying people to come in and help us work. And I put out there that, hey, I've got drinks, food. If anybody wants to come and camp for free and help us you know, work on the creek, help us do this and this. And the amount of folks that showed up, um, the first weekend, Reed Carpenter showed up. And he helped us cut our takeout in, and we was cutting trees, all that kind of stuff, to building fence. Um, then, like, the next weekend was our semi-pre-opening weekend, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, I think – did you get – I think you came down for that. I think I did, yeah. I think you were there. Luke, uh, Jared McComas, there was a yeah. bunch of us all hit the creek and piled upstream and started cutting some trees out, and it was cold and nasty out. And yeah. Here we are out there just cutting trees and and that's me. It was a huge moment because it's like there's no way I could do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And the people that showed up are were fishermen, you know, kayak guys, uh, people I've kayaked with, fished against, uh, met on the trails, that kind of stuff. And they showed up and was ready to work. That's and awesome, dude. That's, it that's is. So cool. I mean, it's the camaraderie of it. And like I said, a huge group of the friends and family that I have now is from, you know, fishing, uh, fishing the, the kayak industry. Kayaking and yep. kayak fishing. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that, you know, people, you're surrounded by people who you put yourself around and the energy yeah. that you put out there. So um, that just speaks to, to you and Bobby individually at the same time. But um, so like back to the river bass and trail, I kind of jumped back into that. So the first time we fished again, there was obviously there's a whole roster of people I fished against in that first tournament that I went yep. to. And, you know, the, the, the moment that you were sealed in my brain as somebody that I had to look out for was the next year when we went to Logan, which um, that was the first year. Like that was the first tournament since columbus that i had done for river bassin and clayton and i had decided that we would go down and fish it and fish it as a team that's like when we were like okay we'll set up a team we'll, we'll give this a yep. shot yeah. and we did what we considered pretty well um we thought we had a good chance to to place to win or even place well or whatever and like it was all of a sudden it was like because the leaderboards or whatever um, we were at the top or something like that, or we were close yep. to, but there was, you know, up until the end of the day, turn stuff in. And then all of a sudden this, I forget what your team weighing was, but there was Dustin Hoy put like a 20 or 21 or 22 or something like that. And like, you know, his team like just jumped up there and like bumped us out of a spot. And it's like, we ended up getting second or third as a team and individually. I think we were pretty close to placing, but we both kind of got bumped and got mixed around or whatever. And that was the moment that I was like, I didn't know that this was your backyard at that point. Like the Logan area was your backyard, but yeah. that was the moment I was like, all right, Dustin Hoy is somebody that I got to pay attention to when I'm looking at this stuff online. I was like, this is a dude that when he signs up, I got to know what he's doing or whatever. And it wasn't necessarily like a, it wasn't like a, a like a, a bad thing. It was just yeah. like a, I was like, all right, this guy, this dude's serious. And you know, we just, Eventually, from then forward, I think that I picked up that you worked at the livery at some point, you know, previously, and then um, that you were getting into like we're kind of growing in the tournament scene a little bit at the same time. So like you would come up and camp at Pine Tuning, or you you do a little bit of this, and then I would see you on the River Basin Trail, and you were you know thinking about like you you were at Columbus Kayak, but then it had its like transition and its issues and then like you're like hey i think about starting up this and i was like cool like i'm a little bit far (laughs) away but what do you want me to do but you know what i mean like what do you need like what can i do and that was just like that was the moment that i wanted to highlight was because logan's been mentioned here before and i just um you know 
hopefully, I'm going to spread out to, I've started with a lot of my like closer people, like with this series, but I'm going to try yeah. to spread out a little bit to some other people where it's like, this, these are literally just the local stops that, that are in like Ohio or the surrounding areas or like Indiana or, um, you know, the Columbus area, like potentially this sort of thing happened every stop that it went, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and how fish, like specifically the little niche that we have of rivers kind of brought us all together to some degree. And, um, and then it ends up, you know, last two weeks ago, we were fishing together in Florida for peacock bass and doing crazy stuff like that. Like we're at the point in our like friendship now that like we were taking big fishing trips together, you know what I mean? And, and having a blast doing it. And, yeah. Absolutely. Like six, seven, eight years ago, we didn't even know who each other were. Like, yeah. you know, and now yeah. we're driving 20 hours across the country <laughs> to, to fish out of plastic boats together. So it, yeah. it's just a, it, it's a crazy thing. It's, um, it's a wild adventure, man. Bringing that up, that's, I mean, that's river bassing too, in my mind, uh, what we were doing down there. Like, so we were down there, we were down in Southern Florida fishing canal systems for peacock bass and snakeheads and other cichlids and stuff like that. And I couldn't have done caught the fish that I caught without everything I learned from fishing against you and fishing against other people in like a river tournament seat. I wouldn't have been prepared for that nearly as well as I was able to adapt if I hadn't been doing that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and that trip there, this is our, I think I was about third year, something like that doing this trip, third or fourth year. And every year we just basically target a new fish. Our first year down there, it was complete chaos. Um, it was one of them that we hit the water and it was just like, we had no clue what we were doing. Um, I ended up, um, my um, buddy Matt Davis was with him with us on that trip, and we basically started googling uh, charter companies or any kind of like river guides or anything that catches fish. And it's just like our first day. I mean, we got skunked. It was bad. It was just we couldn't really figure them out. I think we had a couple little hits, and that was pretty much it. And ran into um, a company called Deep Blue Kayak Fishing. Um, Basically, it cost us a little bit of money for the education. They took us out, our gear, everything else, basically put us on the right canals, fishing the right docks, and how to fish them and why to fish this. And then after that, we kind of became good friends with them, too. And they put us on Snook the next year. They put us on different stuff. And basically, you know, educating us on how to fish down there. Yeah. Because it's a whole different world from fishing. Oh, it's absolutely wild. It's a, I yeah. mean, wild isn't a strong enough term. It's, it's like you said, it's a different world. Like the ecosystem is so vastly different than what it yeah. is in Ohio. Like it, just because, you know, there's things in the water that you've never seen. If you didn't live down there, you know, spend a lot of time down there. You're like, what is that? Why is that here? Like, it's just absolutely insane. And, and, and how do you go, grab this? <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, like, can I touch that? Should I touch that? Is it safe to touch this? Um, and, you know, I've always had, you know, Lake Erie's been semi-close. Obviously, I grew yep. up in Southern Ohio, but that's a big blue freshwater lake. And, yep. you know, like having access to saltwater and all those crazy things 10, 15 minutes away from also doing freshwater stuff where there's giant bass and giant peacock and other things like that's just a, I mean, there's a reason it's like one of the meccas of, of fishing is yep. it's, you know, a good climate for it, but it's just an ex, definitely an experience to, to do it. And I recommend it, you know, if somebody looks up, look up those charters, look up the, you know, the people, if you don't, if you're not comfortable with, you know, do figuring it out yourself, which I recommend getting, education from someone um education is expensive but it gets you so far exactly i mean we could have fished down there the whole week and never caught a fish or it flattens the curve so quickly if you just you get an education or put up a little bit of the money to have a charter or, or find yep. a good one you know get some recommendations from people and you know um it, it will definitely flatten that that education curve much much quicker than trying to figure it out yourself Yep. And if you only have a few days to do it, I mean, it's, it's worth it. I mean, yeah. that's, that was kind of our thing was we were down there just like, yeah, we could 
probably if we will continue fishing all week, or I think we were there four days that trip, something like that. Yeah. And we might have all caught a fish or two together or a piece. But with those guys' help and showing us how to do it and where to go, it was just like we caught 15, 20 fish a piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those kind of numbers. It was just like, oh. All right. Well, <laughs> let me. All right, I'm going to divert away from the fun trip that we just had. I know it's fun to talk about, but um, and, and divert into one more question, and then we'll get wrapped up here. Um, I asked this last week to Jeremy, but I think, or last month to Jeremy, I think, but it's still a pretty good question. So, you know, in the river bassin style, of course, moving water sort of stuff, if you didn't have any restrictions, like it wasn't a financial issue, it was like whatever, what is the place that you would like to go visit and fish, kayak fish? That's hard. Um, truthfully, one of my dream trips would be going to like Alaska. Alaska? Um, okay. Yep. Um, I've fished in Canada. I've fished a little bit of everywhere. Um, I've never fished up there. I'd love to you know, float down one of the rivers, small streams, catch into some salmon or okay. something wild and crazy. And um, and I'm one of them. I love finding those back, you know, where it takes you a four-day trip, yeah. three or four days, something like that. You never see another person. Yeah. Um, and that would be my probably my ideal trip. It'd be doing something like that where you put it in one location and you got like five days to make it down to – <laughs> yeah, it's like a survivor time. trip or something, it's like escaping Alaska. And <laughs> yeah, and just and just float and fish and explore. And to me, I think that would just be kind of the the top of my list. Um, fish hatcheries, East Coast. Um, you can't beat the Susquehanna. Yeah. Um, hands Fair. down, I fished it the first time. Absolutely loved it. And I go back every chance I get. Fair. Um, I mean, me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, who would never catch a monster smallmouth in a river? I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, Alaska's a really interesting pick. Like, I, I, I'm very, like, I, impressed isn't the right word. I'm just caught off guard, but it's like an awesome pick. Like, that would be a really cool place to kayak fish if, you know, especially if you're, targeting salmon or I don't even what else I don't even know what else you could target up there but so, like, so, yeah I don't I don't know what other kind of fish are in there but I but think yeah, it would be fun to that would be a yeah, taste some wild waters it would be an absolute experience is what that would do it would be it you would. Know, and, and you know I'm, I'm going to spread the umbrella on that a little bit like river bass and obviously like black bass are kind of our main focus for that but like yeah. river fishing in general is is accepted you know what I mean? Like, and that, that's just a really cool place to go. I mean, like that's just, that's a really interesting answer. Cause you know, a lot of people would probably lean on the Amazon river or something like that, but like you go opposite way. Like let's get it. Let's get cold. Let's get chilly. Let's get cold. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to go to like the Amazon and go chase some big, you know, monstrous peacocks or, yeah. um, or is the tiger fish they have down there, that kind of stuff. I mean, that yeah. would definitely be in the top probably two or three. Yeah. But for some reason, I've always been kind of drawn to that kind of Alaskan experience, you know. That's awesome. Going down through and having a big grizzly bear you pop yeah. around or a big moose standing yeah. in the river and you come around the corner. I, I don't mean, know if I would have messed with a moose, man. Oh, I mean, it, would, but <laughs> it would be cool too. I mean. Oh, yeah. Would, that would absolutely be an experience. Um, yeah. And a good one at that, like what, you know, as long as you made it out safe, like that would just be something you never forget or want to forget. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it would just be crazy. So we're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to give you this moment um, to talk about, to thank anybody or shout out to anybody that you want. I know that we've obviously mentioned that you, um, oh, you and Bobby own Raccoon Creek Outfitters and that's a big thing, but I know that you got some sponsors and I know that you, uh, you know, represent some people at this point. So go ahead, uh, plug away, talk about whoever you want to talk about. So just some shout outs and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this thing up. Sweet. Um, definitely first and foremost, uh, I want to definitely thank the wife and family. Um, they're kind of my support when I'm out fishing and playing, you know, they're, they're working. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely if it wasn't for them, I couldn't do what I do today. So that's definitely the big one. Um, bonafide kayaks, um, 
I was able to get on their national team this year, which is uh, kind of a, a really big honor to me to you know, be in a position I am and have that opportunity to support a company such as them. Um, Yacht Gadget, um, John with Yacht Gadget, just an absolutely incredible guy. Uh, do the world for anybody and just, just, yeah, just an absolutely just incredible guy. Can't say enough about him. Um, also got Venom Lures. Um, been with Venom for several years. Um, been fishing their spinner baits and their plastics for a decade or longer. Uh, ed- yeah. Ages myself a little bit again. Um, um, Gamma Fishing. Uh, the fish, Gamma Fishing line there over in Pennsylvania. I've been using their stuff for several years. Um, also, some of the best line I've ever used. So I try to support those guys. Um, and 13 Fishing. Yeah. You know, shout out to those guys. I've been using their fishing rods for several years. So, yeah, kind of so support. I'm not on their team or that kind of stuff. But, yeah. Hey, you know, it's about show support. So, hey, if there's a brand that you like are attached to and you really like, and you don't have to necessarily be like, affiliated with them in that degree to, to show support for them. That's I mean, if, and if that's you, kind of the way I look at it is, yeah. you know, I've been I mean, using their gear and it's held up great for me. So yeah, I, I, I continue. So I don't fish for Z-Man. I'm not on Z-Man's team. I'm not affiliated with Z-Man in any way, shape or form. But if anybody asks me, I throw Z-Man sling bites. I throw goats. I like the, the baby goats. <laughs> I throw, I use their palmetto bug. I use mostly if it's a plastic, I, there's a 90% chance it's Z-Man that I'm using. There's very yep. few things that I that I don't use that Z-Man product, but I'm not oh, you affiliated can't with them all. You yep. know what I mean? I'll throw it out there every day. Yeah. Yep. Try Z-Man. And I'm, I'm right there with you. So, I mean, you got to give yep. them a shout out too. So. For sure. All right, guys. Well, I um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed Dustin's stories and, uh, you know, his, his background in, in river bass and, and creek fishing. Um, thank you, Kyle and Finn. Uh, make sure you guys are checking out everything that they got going on. Um, all the other episodes, all the other shows, all the other hosts, the special events and tournaments that they're setting up for, for people. Um, you know, the sponsors for the network in general, and, uh, obviously the river bass network too, you know, um, Drew, Drew and I will have another podcast. Actually, it will happen the night before this comes out, uh, but I won't be on it. So enjoy him. And hopefully that doesn't, you know, they don't miss me too much. I don't think that they will. But um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just, you know, thanks for all the support and the love and the listens and all that stuff, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, have a good night and or day or whenever you're listening to this. I always forget that it's not officially a time. I usually just record these at night. And now I'm rambling, so I'm just going to end it. Later. See you guys.